This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. All right, who's been messing with my chair? Uh, it's, the, it's the squeak. I always used to think the squeak was Trev, but uh, I think it's the chair. Definitely the chair. <laughs> hello, Stephen. Hello, Lisa. And hello, Michelle. Good evening, good morning, and welcome. You know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. No matter how many times we record, we can always get a new camper van joke in somewhere. <laughs> it's an infinite camper van. Uh, if you get an infinite number of, uh, of uh, RVs, as they're called in America, keeping that in for the transatlantic listeners, uh, then, then you get an infinite number of jokes. What's an RV? Uh, it's, it's a recreational vehicle. Haven't you seen Breaking Bad? Are you are, are, are you already jumping into the 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 uh, American colloquialisms just for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I call it. The I so- mean, I, I was I always try and force them in, force it, force <laughs> it in. Do you know what? I think it's just pure coincidence, but I don't think we've had an episode where just one of you has been on for for a little while. It's always been the pair of you, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm listening with interest. This kind of US. Anglo banter that the pair of you <laughs> built up, I think, from from the very first time that you recorded with each other, where you talked about American fandom, mm. it, it's always a case of trying to point out, you know, well, basically why the Americans are wrong. Well, it, it's not necessarily that. I, I quite like quite like the, the, the to have your differences pointed out by someone else, you know, from outside your um, your country. It's nice because sometimes you don't notice. So I like to think I'm performing the same service <laughs> for Stephen and Michelle. Oh, well, that's enough American bashing for now, Lisa, and awfully good to see you again, too. But uh, no, we're going we're gonna to have some bashing of a different sort today because we are going to take a look at two uh, extremely popular Doctor Who companions of recent years, Amy Pond and Clara Oswald, and we're going to take a look at what the camper van makes of these two. There's certainly uh, strong opinions, I think, held on various sides here, so uh, having already poked at each other, we'll see how much more poking we can do through the rest of the podcast, but uh, who wants to go first? Amy Pond or Clara Oswald? I don't think either of them are here, but uh, <laughs> in, in their absence, I will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought of this idea. This is, this is kind of something that I thought might be interesting to listen to. I'm not entirely certain now, but uh, I think with Stephen Moffat, you know, venturing into second companion territory, I mean, and I know people are going to talk about Rory being a fully-fledged companion, mm. but I'm ignoring Just like him Amy. for the time being. Amy was the first... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, at least for half of season five anyway. Uh, but uh, Amy was the first companion to Matt Smith's Doctor, and, and therefore, we, we're kind of getting a complete contrast now. We're getting, I suppose, Stephen Moffat's second attempt to deliver us someone who we can access the fantastical world that the Doctor inhabits. So, um, you know, I, I think there are some clear differences, you know. And I think perhaps I would start by saying one of them is interesting and one of them isn't. Uh, but that, that's probably a little bit too generic. So uh, perhaps, I don't know, Stephen, I, I know you're a big Pond fan and uh, I, I'm just interested as to, you know, how much of an Oswald fan you are as well. I mean, which which of the two do you prefer? You know, I, I, I sit squarely on the fence here. I like both uh, both of them for very different reasons. Um, but I, I'm, I am a big uh, Oswald fan as well. I think uh, I, I do find... Clara interesting at least I found the mystery of her very interesting and try and spending lots of time trying to figure it out um, and uh, I'm now very interested to see 
where it goes from there um, now that the mystery has been solved and now she's just the companion and dealing with it with a new doctor but um, I, I, I like them I, I like them both I, I, I um, it's very hard for me to choose between the two of them so um, yeah I don't I, it's it's difficult as, as characters I think I'm I'm with Stephen I, I like them both equally I, I, I don't dislike them uh, I dislike one more than the other um, so I try to think of this in terms of the performances that the actresses gave, or the actors, as we call them now, um, uh, gave, and are giving in one of the cases. And I, th- I think Oswald wins on that, and it's it's down to, uh, to to little things, small mannerisms, and these are the things that I like in in performances. Um, it's hand gestures, visual stuff, things that go on when there are no lines to be said. Uh, and having watched back a, quite recently series five with someone. Who'd never seen series five? Uh, I was quite conscious of um, of how how little that Karen Gillan does in in the non audio moments, uh, as opposed to mm. I spotted very early on that uh, uh, Clara has has got lots and lots of little ticks and mannerisms that she does, and uh, and I love that. And I noticed this with um, with Billy Piper in her, in her first scenes, the scene in the lift when she's going back down to collect the lottery money. Uh, and she's in the lift on her own, and she just does a little bit of sort of. It's the way she scratches her nose. It's the kind of way that it's done when no one else is around. It makes you look a little bit piggy and a little bit ugly, and you wouldn't do that uh, if if anyone was watching. And I just thought that's that's nicely well thought out. And Clara does a lot of these things as well. There's a scene in I forget which episode it is. Oh, name is it name of the Doctor where um, she receives the uh, the the letter with the hypnotic wax on or whatever that takes her into the zone. Mm. It's when she's reading the letter, uh, when she realises the letter might have something on it, and then she's walking past the door, she's slapping her, she's trying to get the, the muck off her hands. It, lots of wonderful sort of um, visual acting w- with her extremities. Hartnell used to go on about this, about t- television acting, that um, you've got to hold your hands up and you've got to do stuff with your hands. Different to how you would do to stage acting, uh, where you're acting with your whole body. You've got to be conscious that the... The TV camera can only see certain certain parts, and uh, I think she she wins on that, and she wins on the on the nuances. You know, I, I actually agree with you um, uh, on the the acting ability, and I don't and I don't want to knock Karen Gillan because I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I think that she's come a long way since Series Five, but a lot of her acting in Series Five is really over the top for me. Very, she's very much mugging to the camera a lot of times, like her shocked look with her big eyes, things that no human being actually does um outside of television and it was just it was it was clear to me that she was very much a, a sketch comedy actress and not really um uh, an actress who who's used to the, the the format she was now cast in um and like i said i think she's she's come a long ways and um uh since then but uh but yeah the, the acting abilities are are very different and the thing that works in in Karen Gillan's favor is that is her chemistry with Matt Smith, um, and the chemistry between um, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darvall, and Matt Smith always came through uh, on the screen. And I think that it took a little bit of time uh, to see that with Jenna Coleman and Matt Smith, and and it was it was really you know I, I always thought that there was a little there was some chemistry, but it just wasn't as um, as uh, tangible as it was with them, and, and uh, until maybe around Day of the Doctor, when they they had obviously solidified their their um, their friendship. But um, um, you know, I'm not sure. I think that's precisely what you're supposed to think, and uh, and I think it's a case of yeah, they, they they they're showing the two characters as friends, 
but I, I think the reason the reason why the chemistry wasn't there, Stephen, is because there wasn't really an experience for the viewer um, in in seeing it develop and, and come about. Whereas I think the relationship the Eleventh Doctor had with Amy. You know, you see everything. You you see, you know, two strangers meet when she's very young, and uh, they they develop this relationship. And you actually watch it with Clara. So far, we've just been told how good friends they are, and you know that they, they hug in in the uh, anniversary special, and you're meant to think they are best friends. But there there really isn't really any reason why. I mean, the only reason that's that's obvious is is, is that she saved his life. <laughs> well, that's, you know? a, that's and, a pretty and, good reason. It's a good reason, <laughs> but it's a good reason. But you don't become okay. All right, I'm walking down the road. You know, Stephen is in the UK. Right, he looks the wrong way and he steps out in front of a bus. I'm there and I save his life. The next time we meet, we are not going to be such best buddies. It doesn't work like that. I mean, and, and, and it's and, and that's how I feel. Clara has been sold to us. It's a case of saying she is the companion and she is his best friend, and you just accept it. It's very, yeah, he, very he, British of you. It, no, it, it, it's <laughs> the manner in which she, she saved his life. She didn't just save him from uh, uh, being killed by a bus. I mean, she sacrificed her life in order to, or, or believed she was sacrificing her life in, in order to sort of go back. She knew exactly what she was doing. I mean, that was, it was a huge sacrifice that she made. I, th- I think he appreciates yeah. that, and she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, and bear in mind, a doctor has given you know incarnations in the past just for for, for one person. But um, yeah, I mean, you you look at the relationship the tenth doctor had with Wilf. You know, it, it, I think they were buddies, but I you you saw that short lived relationship, that short lived companionship, slowly build up over a couple of episodes, and it culminated in an emotive scene at the end with just the two characters and one of them was going to live one of them was going to die where but he complained I, about having to save him well yes indeed he's like oh yeah you know i really didn't want to go and i i just don't see that with clara i don't get that with clara let me address that because uh, the friendship is important and actually one of the things i really like and that i do buy into with clara and the and the 11th doctor is their friendship is their 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 buddiness which you're right it happens later but understandably so because for the first several stories that she's in the doctor is suspicious of her he's trying to solve the puzzle of her and there is a, an uncomfortable distance there because of that but i think appropriate to the story that they're telling but i do believe that by the time you get to day of the doctor i think it's implied that there've been several other journeys in there uh, that she continues to you know have her wednesday 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 day that's date. what i mean well, they but tell I, you I buy it because of the way they are together when they're on screen i love the the friendship they have and the relationship they have and the easygoing nature they have and their ability to kind of hug and stuff there are some hints though that that by me same thing that bothered me with with uh, with Amy and with some of the other companions I mean even in uh, time of the doctor at the end when they're having to speak the truth and, and a couple little hints that again there's some sort of romantic attraction happening uh, at least on the part of Clara and I, I just wish they'd leave that out you'd, you'd think that they'd heard enough response that that were sick of that that they wouldn't do that but if you can kind of erase that from your memory uh, the easygoing friendship and, and the friendship wherein they're just comfortable being together and they can touch each other without it meaning a whole bunch of other deeper level deeper level things. I, I do like that and that's one of the things I like about Clara. You also mentioned how she sacrificed herself for him. Beyond friendship, one of the things I really like about Clara, and it was not true of Amy at least at the beginning, is how 
um, selfless she is. She is willing to do things for other people. I mean, everything from being the nanny for a year uh, to her friends' kids to um, in the Rings of Akatan when she parts with the leaf, which is deeply, deeply personal to her and has that high emotional value, but she's willing to give it up when she needs to. And and for me, that goes a long way, though, in terms of, of rallying behind this character and enjoying this character. I, I think they're interesting character facets, but I don't think they make Clara particularly interesting. My my main disappointment with Clara so far, and I'm, you know, fully prepared to accept that we've not seen the whole of her tenure yet. We've only seen her in two episodes without her being, you know, basically the the largest plot device we've seen in, you know, in half a season. But um I I just find her dull. You know, it, it, the the kind of things that you were talking about with Amy, yeah, yes, she was irritating, and I, I and I seem to remember being extremely annoyed with her about the way she treated Rory and so on. But having said that, you know, all all they were were very strong character facets that I I believed, and Karen Gillan's performance. I mean, Stephen, you alluded to the fact that it may not have been as strong when she first started out in season five. I completely bought into it, and I didn't like the character, but that to me was was just part of a de- the development of a of a more well-rounded character someone who eventually became less selfish through her relationship and and knowing the doctor with with clara i find all of the interesting things kind of removed you know she she she's best friends with the doctor Blah. that that's it there's there's nothing distinctive I find about her, and I, I, I think, and I'm, and I'm hoping as well that we're going to see the most interesting part of Clara's story unfold with the eighth. Sorry, with the eighth Doctor. <laughs> interesting. Yes, yes absolutely. That, do you, you know what? That first, would be folks. fantastic. <laughs> no, with Peter Capaldi's Doctor, because she is going to be the constant between incarnations. She's going to be the bridge between two different eras of the show. Now, everything I've seen so far, I simply don't think she's up to the job. You know, I, I, I don't think audiences are going to cling on to um, to Clara, particularly when they've just seen. Everything Clara stands for undermined in the final scenes of Time of the Doctor because it's almost as if Moffat was saying, do you know what, she isn't really the 11th Doctor's companion. The, the, the real companion is Amy and we've just brought her back for no apparent plot reason at all other than just to pull at your heart. Nobody thought so, that when Adric uh, popped back at the end of the 5th Doctor's tenure and... Uh, all the companions are swooning around his head. No. But not with such an impact. Not, I mean, the, the reason she was brought back was because she is synonymous with Matt Smith's Doctor, right? And she had a bigger emotional punch than Clara was ever able to. I actually wish they hadn't done that because it does detract from Clara's place and Clara's role in this part of the story. I think, yeah, you're right, they went for the emotional heartstrings, but I was annoyed by it. I was also annoyed because we'd been told she wouldn't return. And yes, I know it was just kind of a vision and not the actual character, but I felt, again, that I had been lied to maybe a too strong a word but when she appeared in that scene it 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 bugged me it it, it bugged me it took me out of the story a little and and it was it was very unfair to clara who had to just kind of sit there and 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 watch on and she handled it with grace because she's a character with a lot of grace but oh but clara was the reason that he was able to regenerate because she's the one who asked the 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 
the the time lords to to save him and you know and and gave that whole speech so i don't i don't personally i don't think it undermine undermines her only because we're so used to seeing co- previous companions return um when there's going to be a regeneration you know i mean and, and i don't just like i don't you know obviously you know rose showing up right before the the tenth doctor regenerated you know did that undermine Martha, uh, um, well, not Martha, sorry. Anything ever undermines Martha. But did it undermine Donna? You know, not really, you know. It's just because she... No, Donna undermined Donna yeah. in, in, that, in that particular story. You know, but, but I, I, so I, I think that, you know, I, I, I think that there was, there was equal weight given, but I, at least for me, and, and I was happy to see um, her there because she she did play such an important part in the 11th Doctor's life. I mean, she's, she's huge to his life, and... and um, and you know maybe Clara was is new and and maybe didn't yet have the the huge impact, but the things that she did did impact the Doctor and did you know did leave a lasting effect. And I, I don't argue with that. I really don't. I just don't think the writer, particularly maybe not just Moffat, maybe others as well, thought it was going to be as impactful, if that's the word, <laughs> uh, on the audience, you know, therefore they think we can, we can do slightly better than this. And it, it, it's, I, I think it was almost an admission that, yeah, you know, he's regenerating because Clara asked for another set of lies or asked for some help because she spoke through a crack in the wall, basically said, he, yeah, he's a pretty good chap. I mean, it's, it's just not convincing enough for me and I think the whole of that last story not just Clara's role in it undermined a lot of what the 11th Doctor stood for and I think they were clasping the straws by the end of it and I I would have liked to have seen in fact yes I would have preferred Amy to come back for a whole story as opposed to that just one scene and and the damage that it can do Clara now potentially is um you know it, May not be irreparable, but we'll we'll have to. Oh, see, I don't, I don't think this is true. I think if you go back to what you said about Clara being, you know, that she she plays this, this nice, selfless character uh, who is the Doctor's friend. I think this will be interesting from what we've heard of um, the, uh, well, as you call him, the Eighth Doctor. <laughs> I like to call him the Twelfth Doctor. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, is going to be like Sixy. Is going to be a bit troubled, a bit. Um, uh, certainly post-regeneration, the, the hints are that he's going to be uh, a bit more troubled, that he's going to be a bit more difficult to like. Uh, so I think uh, you know, we might see the coming of age of Clara, uh, and she, she, she'll she be the, the glue that holds it all together. Uh, and we, we might see, like, like Perry didn't take flight until she um, uh, had the uh, the incidents with the, with the Eighth Doctor. With the, <laughs> I'm doing it now, uh, with the Sixth Doctor. <laughs> Do you know, the numbering of the Doctors will never be the same again now. <laughs> this is a whole continuity. Pre or post, John Hurt. Um, but but <laughs> we, we saw that, um, that, that sort of, Perry blossomed. Um, they had a spiky relationship in that first season with, um, with the Sixth Doctor. Uh, and then they sort of consciously changed the way they, uh, they played the lines when it got to the Trial of the Time Lord season. Uh, so that they were uh, sort of a, a bit bit more friendly, but so yes, yeah, so I, I think I think Clara Clara being that sort of warm, selfless character is good. If if what happens um, is what we're we're suspecting and what we're, we're being led to believe will happen, it will be important in, in making the show work. You know, I think there's a couple of things that that you that you pointed out, James, about you know uh, you you just found her uninteresting and just kind of bland and. Um, and I, I I agree with with Michelle and Leeson that that she does have a there's a there's a lot of qualities there that have maybe not 
fully been developed and fully come to the sur- surface as yeah. far as her being, yeah. you know, selfless and, 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 you know, being a leader. And, uh, you know, I like that she's bossy and I like that she is, you know, uh, a bit of a Weisenheimer, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, um, I was trying to think of a nice podcast friendly word to say there. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I think, I think part of, of, uh, of Clara's, Clara's, I don't know, problem, I guess, um, is that uh, she, even Clara Prime, uh, it, it, there's this weird, there's this weird um, uh, 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 paradox happening there with with her character and who she is. She, she's kind of, she's kind of meant to be the quote unquote perfect companion, right? So, so her character is supposed to be this character that is that is em- embodies everything that the Doctor needs at any time in his life. Um, and and I think that actually makes her almost less interesting because she's she there's there aren't there isn't an opportunity for for her to actually just be a person she is a construct she is an an, an idea uh, uh, as as a companion and um, I I think that that's a, yeah. where a lot of that lies but I think now that that is over um, and we're not worried about that now um, she's still this you know wonderful companion but at least we can. So they can start to explore who she actually is as a person. Yeah, I, and that's what I really hope that we we, we do. I mean, I, I've heard it said this is not an original comment, but I do completely agree with it. I mean, the the, the second half of season seven, she is essentially a plot mm-hmm. device rather than a companion, and I, and I I find the story and the mystery of Clara intriguing, and I, I was as keen as anybody to find out how it all wrapped up in in, in time of the Doctor. We've now got two, or we've had two stories with her as, as a regular companion. And of course, people are going to be comparing, and I've done the same, uh, comparing her to how she how she was in, in the latter half of season seven. And it, clearly, the character is a bit of a mess. I mean, not only because of the way that she was introduced, and we've seen two different versions of her prior to <clears throat> meeting the real Clara, but... we. we We've now got to try and figure out what her role is in the TARDIS, you know, and, and, and again, and I think that's why we've seen so many shortcuts, you know, we've been shown she's a teacher, you know, you know, she's just a teacher, accept it, okay, there was there was no visual, um, or, or there was no story that explains her desire to try and go back, have this regular life, and, and develop her, her skills as a teacher. Um, we, we're told that she's she's really good friends with the doctor rather than being shown it i mentioned that earlier and again e- even a small series of scenes where the two of them are having an adventures together regular style would have i think as assisted uh, in 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 her transitioning from plot device to companion and and perhaps the biggest help to her to 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 make that transition will be peter capaldi i sincerely hope so and uh, i i hope that we have now left you know the bland Clara behind, and you know it, it, even her relatives. I'm sorry. I mean, at least Amy didn't have any relatives. <gasps> uh, the to, grandma. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, but yeah, what at the wedding? No, um, no, no, no. The, um, um, all about uh, Clara. Clara's gone. Clara's Christmas. Grandma. Oh, Clara's. Okay, I thought you meant Amy's. No, um, yeah. Um, just 
there was one scene there, this woman who we'd never spoken to before. It was totally unaffecting for me. It was as bland as the turkey line, oh. uh, the plot line. And these, these other people who even now I still can't remember what their name was or their relationship to, to Clara. And, you know, we, we saw that before with Rose. And the reason why it worked with Rose is because Rose was simply not prepared to accept this mundane routine life. She wanted to stand out from it. She wanted to be different. And the doctor was able to assist her in doing that. Clara is so bland and boring anyway, in my mind, that she fits in with that lifestyle quite well. I can't see what her motivation is now for getting up and moving. And, and, and one's, it just, no, it, it's she's, not working for me. She's <laughs> always kept the doctor at bay, though. It's from, from the, all of 7B, there's the whole thing about him only, him returning like every Wednesday or something to take her somewhere. So she's always sort of kept him at bay because that's her being a, bossy control freak and and wanting to you know i think it was her way of playing hard to get but i think um uh, you know I, I think that part of the problem is there just hasn't been any time to develop her there she had they had this huge plot line for for the half of 7b and then all of a sudden we're, we're just thrown right into the to the 50th anniversary story which i think she did yeah, i think agreed. she was great in and i think her that this her scene with john hurt is fantastic when when he finally decides to go and 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 push the button and uh and she's you know her being the impetus to say you know i, I i've never i can't imagine my doctor actually doing that and she's right she's absolutely right because you know she is the voice of she's 100 percent the voice of the audience in mm. my eyes at that point because i couldn't imagine um my doctor doing that any one of my doctors doing that so you know I, but i just don't i think as far as like real you know getting more background on her and who she is or whatever there just wasn't time and that is a problem or a fault of the writing because the audience is being forced to think of this individual as a companion and it's just not working and and you've highlighted a fantastic reason uh, or, you know or, or something to compare it to the conversation that she had with John Hurt was touching it was brilliant it was as you say it was it was one of the best scenes of the entire anniversary special i think and and you bought that relationship completely despite the fact you only saw about two or three minutes of dialogue. That's the kind of scene we've been missing. We haven't seen the 11th Doctor sit down and talk and converse and establish that relationship with Clara in the past. Now, with Amy, who we've actually not spoken about that much, <laughs> there are loads of those conversations. And it is, as, as you say, Stevens, because there was more time. You had all of season five, all of season six to try and develop and change relationships amongst that. Well, there was a little team of companions there, but Amy was the constant. And, you know, you saw it, you you, you kind of went through her journey, you know, and, and by the time you get to see scenes like in, in Let's Kill Hitler, where she's, you know, believing the doctor is going to die that is so affecting for the for the viewer just watching those scenes and it's because you believe in the relationship between the doctor and amy a heck of a lot more than i ended up believing in a relationship between amy and rory i I think there's no there's no irony here because um i mean we're we're sat here um we are i mean i speak for myself here a lot of people see the classic series as being superior to, uh, and, and more Doctor Who than than the the reincarnation, and and we're sitting here talking about 
character journeys and backstories and motivations and for, for companions, which we never had in the old series. These were, these were just people that were plonked in, and we have a lot more affection for these, char- for these characters uh, and the, these companions. I think the benchmark has been, had been set very high with, with Rose, sort of believability and motivations and sort of real fleshing out of, of characters. Um, so, so I just think it's odd because... Because we never had any of that before, and we love that we love. No, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Well, and, they, had, and, they had more time to, to to do it in the old days. They could have done it, but we don't like the show any less because of it. We don't have well, less no, affection for those. Well, no, because we didn't watch it for character drama. Where there were character moments, they come up and bit us on mm. the bum. I mean, if you, you look at the John Pertwee scene in the Time Monster, you know the daisiest daisy mm. yeah, when he's sitting there talking to Joe Grant. That comes absolutely left of field, and the reason it's in there is because they were underrunning. It wasn't because it was a, a show about character development and and a drama. You know, it was about this bloke who used to just you know go all over the galaxy taking people who found his world amazing with him. So in many ways, th- 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 this is more uh, more like what we're getting now? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, now I'm saying it is a character drama. It's not really a sci-fi anymore. It's not really about time travel. What's at the heart of this, as is you know, at the heart of all modern television these days, is the human relationship element. And therefore, I think fans expect different things. I now expect a believable human relationship between the Doctor and his companion, because it's the 21st century, that's how things are made now. And when it doesn't work as, as well as I expect it to... <laughs> Then I am disappointed. Expect the unexpected. And well, maybe. As, as I said, I've I've not written Clara off by any means, but I've not seen anything so far that makes me think she's going to be, you know, as exciting a character as Amy, or dare I say, it, even Martha. Martha had uh, a, a plot um, arc, basically dependent on on the actions of the character. Now, whether or not you believe Mar- um, Freema Adjaman was able to fulfil that role effectively or not is another issue, really. But she had something to do. She needed a relationship with the Doctor. You saw Russell T. Davis developing, working that lack of trust that we saw initially in both the Shakespeare Code and, and more overtly in Gridlock, to the point whereby the Doctor entrusts her with everything. You know, the, the future of the planet in the final episode there. And at the moment, with, with, with Clara, it doesn't feel the same for me. Interesting uh, comparison. When you talk about the plot arc, I, I do think that Amy Pond had one of the most complex and fully fleshed out plot arcs, characterization arcs that we've ever seen. I mean, going from the, the beginning, the very damaged uh, girl who had, was left behind and who was fixated on the Doctor to ultimately becoming... Uh, you know, a, a real strong woman in her own right who, who loved her husband and loved her daughter and, and, you know, was able to make the decisions that she needed to. However, because it was such a long plot art, it took me a long time to really fully warm to Amy. In fact, it was only in some of the very last few stories we saw her in that I finally said, oh, man, this is a companion that I would love to follow. Ironically, um, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which I'm not fond of for other reasons, but I love Amy and Rory in that, in particular Amy, where she sort of becomes a doctor in her own right and has her own companions, and, and, and I, I just love it. She comes into her own, and it continues in, in A Town Called Mercy when she calls the doctor you know, on the carpet for saying, you know, she says, we don't roll that way. We don't, we don't send people out to die. Um, and I love that, and I felt a little cheated that we didn't get to what I considered the really fun fully mature companions until just before they, they left the series. I would love to have seen more of them. With with Clara, 
we have someone who comes into it as a person that I like better, and indeed talking about audience identification, that I can see myself kind of through her eyes. Uh, it's probably all that bland stuff that you talked about, James, but uh, I, I can see myself through her <laughs> eyes, and I can identify with her um, in ways that I never, ever will with Amy Pond. And and yet, yeah, I, I really, I guess I have a, a, a lot of faith that if they'll do her justice, which, again, she, I don't think she fully was when she was just a plot device, that she will become a really enjoyable, fully-fledged companion. There, there's an awful lot I like. I, and I, I hope so. I, I think it's a shame that we've seen what could have been right at the very beginning of her tenure. And I, and I, you've heard lots of people say this, I'm certain, that the two Claras we got in both the Christmas special and the season seven opener were vastly more intriguing versions of this character. And I, and I remember watching Asylum of the Daleks with, with, with you, Lisa, in, um, in, you know, in the cinema at the BFI. And I remember the four of us, we were with Tom and Ian as well. And we all said, wow, what an interesting character. What a brilliant performance. Funny, witty, fantastic. And and when we saw her again in The Snowman, I thought, this is, okay, it's a continuation of this character's story. There were still interesting parts about her, and I, I was very optimistic. And then you took away all of those interesting and intriguing parts about all of the novel and all of the originality away from them, and that's the Clara we got for the remainder of the series. Now, so here's an idea. Right, okay, this is just occurring in my brain as we speak. So, um, what knowing Moffat and knowing him as we do, because we all know him intimately, don't we? Um, absolutely, we know all his uh, his machinations. Um, so he he's shown us. Yeah, the possibilities of what the Clara character can be by showing us uh, different iterations of her. And then he takes us back to, to essentially, you know, some would say, James may say, <clears throat> a bland canvas. Uh, and then the journey turns her into... Because the previous two had faced you know, extreme adversity and, and they, they'd become that way because of um, their circumstance. You know, this one has had kind of a bland experience, uh, a boring experience of life. Uh, and now she's going to go on this amazing adventure. And we are really, really just sort of, um, licking the iceberg. So once once she goes through the, the crazy journey and, you know, the transformation of the Doctor, uh, who is supposedly going to be a bit, uh, a bit spikier, a bit more unpredictable, maybe we will see her journey will be her turn, uh, you know, her potential being fulfilled. You know, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting point and, uh, uh, and that, you know, that this is, this is a, a, a much plainer, um, Clara than we than we had seen in the previous incarnations. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wish that the original plan of, of Victoria and Clara being the being the companion had gone through, and th- and that's what they did because I think that would have been because I'm I'm tired of modern day companions, and I think it would be interesting to have someone from a different time again um, experiencing those things, and it would have made sense even for her progress as becoming a teacher and becoming adjusted to the world around her and stuff. It, I, I think I think that would have been. Uh, really interesting to watch, but I I think you know through what you've just said, Leeson. I think we see why Moffat actually did it the way that he did it. Um, is that we did have a, a a a more of a blank canvas to work with, and and her being sort of the impetus for all of these other versions that have gone on to do wonderful, great things. Well, it's interesting you refer back to the first two incarnations that we saw of Clara and. While I enjoyed a lot of the snowmen, I struggled a bit with her characterization as as the Victorian governess and barmaid because she didn't seem very Victorian to me. 
And I guess with 2020 hindsight, knowing it was a splinter of, of the uh, original Clara, it makes sense that she wouldn't necessarily uh, conform to what you'd expect in Victorian times. But, you know, all the stuff about her grabbing him and kissing him in the hallway and just the spunkiness of some of her responses um, strained credibility for me that we were really watching a Victorian character and maybe we weren't really so it's odd yeah she was she was engaging to watch whether I would have wanted that Clara to continue I'm not sure I'd probably be more on board with having the Clara from Asylum of the Daleks uh, continue on with the Doctor. So via the medium of Clara, we saw Time of the Doctor, we saw an Asylum of the Daleks. Imagine, imagine a Time of the Daleks. Uh, we don't have to because uh, Ian and Michelle have had a look at it for us. Big finish with Ian and Michelle from across the Atlantic Ocean. Ian from the UK and Michelle from the United States. Reviewing Big Finish, sorting out the wheat from the chop for nonsense, saving you money on the ones that are not so good. Come, let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the death of Shakespeare. After all, it's the time of the Daleks. What about our agreement? What about Shakespeare? Our agreement stands. The temporal extinction device will obliterate all knowledge of Shakespeare. He will cease to have existed. Well, Time of the Daleks, it's a bit of an odd duck. Uh, In this story, we have the leader of New Britain uh, being portrayed as a rather obsessed Shakespeare fan who's created a time machine using clocks and mirrors and aligned herself with the Daleks to wipe Shakespeare from history. Did that make sense to you, Ian? To be honest, not a huge amount. This was a very odd story. It, It seemed to be kind of divided into three segments as I listened to it. The first one was the setup. They arrive in the future and Shakespeare is disappearing from history. In fact, the Doctor first notices when Charlie has no idea who Shakespeare is. And we find this future world where Shakespeare is vanishing and these rebels are fighting to try and restore Shakespeare. To be honest, I found this difficult to believe. It just wasn't a very credible setup for me. At face value, this ought to be a story that I would really love because I am a huge Shakespeare fan. And, you know, here we have Shakespeare in a Doctor Who story and in a Dalek story nonetheless. But as you can probably tell from my little description, it it really is, as you say, far-fetched. And it just stretches the realms of believability. I mean, you have Daleks quoting Shakespeare a lot and claiming to be Shakespeare aficionados. The Daleks venerate Shakespeare. He is the greatest playwright in the universe. You've got this strange leader of New Britain who is constantly quoting Shakespeare and it just it just doesn't ring true and then this fairly convoluted plot about going back in time uh, either to wipe Shakespeare from history or to save Shakespeare and you know depending on whose side you're on it all seems a strange thing for Daleks to be involved in quite frankly and then you get to the middle part of the story where there's just this incredibly complicated sequence where this large cast of rather faceless characters jump back and forth through various portals in space and time and all over the place. Um, and it was like Doctor Who's longest ever running down corridor section. I just really couldn't follow who was doing what and why and where they were going and where they ended up. Um, and it was just very, very confusing. I don't think it's horrible. I mean, I don't hate this one or anything, and and it was an interesting listen. Actually, my favorite part of it has to do with this concept of people 
forgetting Shakespeare, forgetting something that happened in the past, but not everybody forgets him at once. It's kind of a, a process. At first, there's only a few people that don't recognize him, and then it grows. Thus far, Shakespeare's removal from history is only a possibility, but it's rapidly becoming a probability. As the chance of it really happening increases, so more people forget. And as that becomes more probable, so it becomes more tangible. Mm, but, but the main event that will cause it hasn't happened yet. It's just a possible event for the moment, becoming inexorably more certain with every second that passes. So there were some interesting concepts in here, but all in all wrapped in kind of a, a strange covering. When we got to the resolution phase, sort of the last part of the story, having actually moved away a little bit from the, the Daleks quoting Shakespeare angle, that comes back with a vengeance and is even less credible at the end of the story than it was at the beginning. To be honest, the overwhelming feel I got from this is that the writer, Justin Richards, had this idea of how cool would it be if we had Daleks quoting Shakespeare? And then from that concept, try to build an entire story to justify doing it, which is, to be honest, pretty difficult. I think the result is this kind of confused mess that we, we got, where I really don't think there's a story in there. There's just lots of strange things going on that sort of in some weird way let them have lots of Shakespeare quotes being made by Daleks. They, they ran a bit too far with their concept here. So for me, this was uh, a bit of a dud, to be honest with you. I thought it was just a confused mess. Um, and a shame after what's been a strong series so far. Moving away from Shakespeare and Daleks, yes, yeah, so, so <laughs> that, that particular play does stick in my mind as well. I've only ever heard it once, but I've never quite forgot it. But <laughs> but let's let, let's finish off our conversation about Amy and. Clara, but um, let, let's change it around a little bit this time. And I, I think it's true to say that pretty much anyone in Doctor Who now, you don't just watch the character, although clearly the characters the actors are playing is the most important thing, and along with the story and so on. But you get so much visibility of, of the actor as well. They're interviewed, they're all over DWM, they're on BBC News when they're first announced. And uh, I'm interested to, to, to hear what you think you know, how how does Karen Gillan present herself compared to Jenna Coleman? I I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I've met Karen Gillan about four times and had conversations with her and she never ever remembers me. So <laughs> <laughs> the cheek okay. of it. Now is that because she's got a poor memory or is that something about you? <laughs> you know, um <laughs> I'm trying not to take it personally. Uh, I, I think How many I'm pretty, times I'm, have you I, met Jenna Coleman? I haven't. I haven't met Jenna Coleman, so I can't comment on that. So but, neither um, of them remember you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> They've got that in common, at least. Karen, Karen, um, but Karen, she's she's wacky. She's she's wacky. She is she's really out there, and I think that um, it doesn't surprise me that she doesn't remember me because she's just all over the place every time that I've met her. She's just like uh, like a pinball machine, like like the ball just bouncing off of things ping bang ping like that's where that's where she's at all the time so um so yeah she's she's but she's she's funny and uh and i think she's very charming in her way uh but uh she's wacky and awkward uh so uh, again i think that's why she's such good friends with matt because he's basically he's basically the doctor turned up now you see i mean i i'm i'm going to be i'm going to be diplomatic I'm going to say I, I prefer Karen Gillan as Amy Pond uh, to how I do uh, Karen Gillan. I'm not going to use the V word. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that one hang, uh, uh, vacuous. I'm, I'm not, not, not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I've said it. No, she does. She comes across very, very. Well, it's funny. It's blank, isn't it? Which is, <laughs> you know, not dissimilar to how I've been describing Clara. But I, I, I think that yeah, we, we was you, we, we saw her together, didn't we, Lisa? This was in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when she, this was the first BBC official convention, she didn't have a clue what was going on. You know, I'm not surprised that she don't remember you, Stephen. And I don't think it would have anything to do with you at all. I'd be surprised if she remembered what day it was yesterday. It was very much like Beryl Reed's performance in uh, in Earthshock. Like she'd just been wheeled on, and, and she wasn't entirely sure why she was there. But you know, she she was aware that, that she was meant to be there, but she didn't really know why. Oh, well, it, it's strange. I, I think. Karen Gillan is an amazing actress, right? And, and I've only seen Doctor Who. I haven't seen anything else that she's been in. But her emotional stories and her nuances, I, I just find incredible. And they they were really, really affecting. And I, I went along to this convention thinking, OK, we're going to hear from Karen Gillan. She's going to talk about how she prepares for this. And she was kind of going, I, 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 I don't really know. You know, and she didn't really know anything or have an opinion about much do you know what i mean and that's what makes her that's that's what makes you think that she's an amazing actress because because she is so she she could not be more different than she appears on screen in in doctor who she is so different it's actually like and and i say that i've had conversations with her it's difficult having a conversation with karen (laughs) um and I wouldn't say she's vacuous. She's just, she's, you know. Neither would I, I. I hate saying, you know, <laughs> I hate saying that she's, that people have ADD, but she she kind of has that where she just, her, her attention is everywhere when, when you're trying to talk to her. And I make, and I'm not, I'm, I don't consider myself funny, but I made a joke and she thought I was being serious and it was just the weirdest thing. Like, that's, that's how she is. Like, she just doesn't get it, you know. Um, but she's so nice, and I've seen her. I've seen her interact with fans in a way that is just so charming and so nice. And she's very accommodating to the fans, and um, and so I, I, you know, she's a lovely person. Strange, you see. I, I mean, I, we we saw um, Jenna Coleman at the fiftieth celebration at, at, at XL. Well, with Ian and Michelle, you were there, and Stephen, you were there as well. Actually, in fact, everybody was there apart from you, Lisa. And where were you? Uh, and they and, wouldn't let me in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised, and and they sorry she came across as a professional. Do you know what I mean? She she was much more interested in the character she portrays, in, in, in my view, and she had the kind of insight into what fans want to hear about and how to interact with them and how to interact with interviewers and other people. And I, I think she was. A really interesting person to listen to. So it's it's ironic. I kind of switch around, you know, in in, in real life. I'd, I'd much rather listen to Jenna Coleman's anecdotes and her experiences than I would hear Karen Gillan trying to remember her. I would say that 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 intelligence and that that sort of depth of character that that's in the actor themselves, you know, that's that's what's portrayed on screen with, with the as I was saying at the beginning of the show, the the, the nuances of the performance. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot of thought that goes into Jenna Coleman's performance, and and we don't know whether she knows or or, or even whether you know, the writers know where they're planning on taking the character. We we assume that they do, um, but yeah, you know, maybe maybe she is holding it back. I I think she's she's a very 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 good actress, um, and she she's got. It's these those little things. I remember years and years and years ago. I'm going to harp on about the, these small nuances, but seeing uh, a thing that Michael Caine did in the uh, in the 80s, it was Michael Caine's acting masterclass, and 
and he did a lot of talk about um, you know just just the, the little bits that you have to do. He did a lot of eye acting and, and hand acting, and, and he did a, a huge piece on how to act with a cigarette. I mean, you wouldn't get that nowadays because nobody smokes. Uh, they all smoke those electric ones. But it's 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 it's, it's little things. It's little things that, that you know. This is the art of acting. Uh, that it's um, it's not all about what you're saying or even how you're saying it. Uh, it's 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 the it's how you hold yourself. Uh, and and I think she's got that. It's how you blow your smoke. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have been listening to you guys talking, and it's interesting because I haven't really sought out interviews or or off-air encounters with either of the actresses, so I I don't know that I have an intelligent opinion to offer. I get the impression, you know, and to be perfectly honest, I forgot that we had seen her at the 50th. Both of them, I think, are really good with the fans. What what I have seen in terms of whenever they have a chance to interact with the fans is just, just lovely. And that is something that I really do want for people who are playing major characters in Doctor Who. I think that's important uh, as much nowadays as it ever was. And I I love that most people probably seeing going around the Internet the little clip of, of Peter Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman talking to a little girl, I think it was, who was concerned about Matt Smith not being the doctor anymore. And, and you just get the sense that they're both fully engaged and, and fully caring about that. So but I, I, so, so that, you know, and the things that count really in, in how they come across on screen, and I think they both do a good job. I find them both believable in, in the characters, as well as how they interact with the fans. You know, I give them high marks on both counts. Karen Gillan actually did it. Uh, did an AMA on Reddit uh, yesterday, which, as of we're recording this, is Tuesday the twenty fifth. Um, and uh, I suggest anybody go read it. It's it's funny, but it is it goes along with what we we're saying. And I, I do think Jenna is got you know, professionalism down, and I agree with you, Michelle. I think I think they're you know being being great to the fans is is probably the most the most important thing, and and yeah. not brushing them off, and which could be so easily done. So that's about it for uh, us mulling over and picking out the bones between uh, Clara and uh, and Amy. Um, you've obviously all made all your decisions. I'm, I don't suspect that we've changed any of your minds. Uh, but it is an interesting interesting debate. Companions and, and the way that they are portrayed in the new series is very different to how it was in the classic series. Uh, going on from uh, Companions, for the next uh, few years, it's going to take a while to do this, isn't it, guys? We're going to be looking at uh, every regeneration episode uh, of the Doctor. So we're starting with the 10th planet, obviously, that's the first one. And that'll be coming out next week. So uh, any thoughts you've got on that, uh, you know, send them in, that'll be nice. So Dr. Who, uh, what, what's, the, what's the website address? <laughs> the website address <laughs> is not much use, but the email one it, is feedback. No, it's feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. Um, so <laughs> I haven't changed my mind about, uh, about Clara or, or Amy. Uh, I, th- I think they're both absolutely brilliant. Uh, I wouldn't use the V word. So until next week, where I may or may not be here, uh, this is me, Lisa Fisher, saying goodbye. Oh, we, so we've got to join in. This, uh, and me, James, saying goodbye. I will be here next week. Me, Stephen, saying goodbye. And Michelle saying goodbye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>been listening to the doctor who podcast brought to you this week by james Stephen, michelle and leeson what a packed camper van this week who's my favorite out of karen and clara you ask neither alpha centauri is still my favorite she was a honey 
You can find more episodes of the show at thedoctorwhopodcast.com or check us out on Twitter, Facebook or drop by the Doctor Who Podcast forums and say hi. Truly, drop by the forums. They're awesome. No one posts there anymore. It's a very lonely place. Drop by and say hi. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you.